At the end of Friday's Locked On Vikings, I asked if Jaron Hall would be the season savior for the Vikings. Turns out, nope. <laughs> Welcome to Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it? Three, one, two, three. You, like it? you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. Appreciate you all so very greatly as we head into another year. The Locked On Vikings podcast. And if you are new, welcome in. Hope you enjoy. Sit down, get comfy. You can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is an audio listening place like Sirius XM. And if you search out Vikings on Sirius XM, you can find like the Sirius XM app. You can find live broadcasts of all Vikings games. We are partnered with them. Very excited. You can also find the show on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. So, woof. <laughs> Vikings lose 33-10 to 10 in their own building for the second consecutive week. A team is making champagne toasts in U.S. Bank Stadium that isn't the Vikings and is a division rival. It, it doesn't get much more rock bottom than this. Uh, and it certainly, they can be a worse team, right? Like you can be the Carolina Panthers taking a shutout and having your owner like dump a drink on someone. Like it, it can get worse. But for this Viking season, this is going to be the worst moment because they're functionally eliminated. Uh, and they have a lot of existential questions that like don't have easy answers. So here's where the playoff situation stands, if you're not familiar. If the Vikings want to get the seventh seed, their path to doing so is beat the Lions. They need Green Bay to lose to the Bears. They need Seattle to lose. They're playing the Cardinals. So they need all three of those games. And then they need the Bucks to not join this party because they don't have tiebreakers over the Bucks because they lost, right? So they need the Bucks to win the NFC South, which happens if either the Bucks win their game or the Falcons beat the Saints. So they need one of those two to happen. So like three and a half games to put together. Four game parlay, we'll call it. Uh, that's what they need. Woof. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's really difficult to project that, right? I won't ever, you know, never say never or whatever, but this, this season's over. And even if they do get in, they're what, they're going to travel to Dallas and go get their doors blown off by another team that figured out their, their defense. Like, I don't really see a reason for it. Um, so now there's all these other questions about what do the what do you do next week? Do you start Jaron Hall just to get some tread on his tires? You know, do you play it play it out like you're really gonna maybe get the help you think you need? Which I think you have to, right? Like, could you imagine a situation where the Vikings like played a bunch of backups and rookies and lost, but said, yeah, well, but we got some experience for them, and then they get all the results that they they needed would have needed to make the playoffs, and you go, oh my god, what if they had played everybody in Ford Field? But I digress. Um. That's all conversations to have later in the week. For now, we, we got to talk about what happened here uh, against the the Green Bay Packers. And, and honestly, it's not that difficult to answer. It is the same thing that has happened every single game the Vikings have had. Every single game the Vikings have lost. 
Uh, they are now finally back to tied, by the way, in the yardage battle against teams that they've lost to. <laughs> they're now 4-4-1 four, four, and one in the yardage battle in their nine losses. Um, but it's turnovers. It's stupid mistakes, you know, delay of game, defensive holding in a big spot. Like, it's it's falling apart with false starts and snap count issues. Jaron Hall was not good. He was very clearly not ready, which is interesting because he was ready in Atlanta. So it's, it's not an experience thing. And I have my theories for what happened there. Um, but that's such an interesting thing to go back to. Um, I was pretty excited when I heard that Hall would come out just because we would learn, you know, just because I would get to like learn something and see and like academically, I was pretty excited. He only lasted a half before he got pulled for Nick Mullins, who moved the offense better, undoubtedly. So with the benefit of hindsight, it is very clear that Nick Mullins should have been the quarterback all along. Josh Dobbs should have played for as long as he played. And then once he pumpkined out, it should have been Nick Mullins and that just should have been it. And that would have given the Vikings the best chance to make the playoffs. Um, obviously benefit of hindsight, right? You go, you throw four interceptions against the lions on Christmas Eve and you go, okay, maybe we have to do something right. I, I get it. Um, and I agreed with it at the time. So yeah, that, all right. That I was clearly overreacting to four interceptions. I don't feel too bad about that. It's four interceptions. <laughs> I don't think measured and tempered reactions are appropriate there. So I'm at peace with that. But I will say I didn't know what Kevin O'Connell knew, which is the offense that he would put together for Jaron Hall and what it required. So that first half, with the Vikings offense just being totally flaccid, nothing to it, just absolutely couldn't move the ball. All it did was throw an interception. Um, Very heavy seven-step drop play pass, which I think is a really bad idea. I think it was a bad game plan for Jaron Hall. Uh, because, so what Jaron Hall does well is play action. That is his thing. But a lot of that at BYU was rollouts, not necessarily straight play pass. Um, either way though, going with a a whole bunch of play pass and deep balls is what the Vikings wanted. They wanted to be aggressive and, and push the ball downfield. And to do that, you need long developing plays, so you need seven-step dropbacks, right? Get back, you know, further behind the line, give your, your guy that much more time before somebody gets at them. So a few problems with that. For one, the Vikings busted protections like crazy on this, and I don't know whose fault they were. I couldn't see. I'll, I'll investigate it later. But there were a lot of free blitzers, free runners at the quarterback. So if you are Jaron Hall and you do your play fake, your back is to the defense, you turn around, there's a guy right in your face, that's just not going to work. Right. But there were other times when he had a clean pocket and then he just wasn't seeing what was going on. And it didn't seem like like his vision was up to par. Um, so even when things did work out, like it still didn't work because then Jaron Hall had his failures. So everybody's got to take a piece. Um, that said, the way that the Packers played this was fairly aggressive, which is really uncharacteristic of Joe Barry. He really brought out the heat on this one, and that's not something that is very typical of those Fangio defenses. Um, and that just cooked the Vikings and their seven-step drops. It just took too long for everything to develop, just trying to do too much. 
And that's really, every time Kevin O'Connell has this terrible offensive output, when you look at the tape, you go, my God, get him like an easy spacing or like a slant flat or something. Get him something doable. But I think O'Connell treated him uh, like he was Kirk. And I don't think that that was appropriate. So if you want to look at the decision to bench Mullins in hindsight now, and you look at O'Connell knowing that that was going to be the offense that he puts forth, I think you just kind of got your rookie QB killed because you freaked out about four interceptions. I'm a podcaster. I'm allowed to. Right, right. Like you are likely a Vikings fan listening to this. Oh, some of you are like ran like Bengals fans and stuff. I love you. Hi. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, but if you're a Vikings fan, you're allowed to freak out about four interceptions. If you're the head coach of the Vikings, we can hold that to a higher standard, right? I'll take my L. Don't think O'Connell should be comfortable taking his. That should be a, a real come to God moment where you have to, at some point, you have to look at what your guy needs to get going and you have to set your quarterback up for success. But O'Connell's overly aggressive mentality is turning this offense into a total shell of, of what it was last year, what it was with, with Kirk and JJ 2k and all that. Um, it, it's, it's just a, an empty cardboard box now and it tastes like one. There's no flavor and everybody who has to eat it is sad. Um, so, Jaron Hall goes out. Not a good game for him. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm like making too many excuses. He, he did not play well, but there were also other things going on in that offense that I think sort of set him up for failure. Um, Nick Mullins comes in, undoubtedly looks better. He moves the ball a little bit, but by then it was too little too late because they had turnovers. They had catastrophically bad defense. I mean, Brian Flores hasn't gotten a stop in nine quarters. It's horrible. Uh, and to the point where we start to ask, like, you sure y'all want this dude as your head coach? <laughs> I, mean, I had people in my Twitter mentions today saying they should fire Brian Flores right now. Like they should just get rid of him anyways. You can have him as a head coach. We're going to can him, which I think is a lot considering everything that he did all season long. Right. If this were the one game you played all year, then maybe, but uh, it's not, there's 16 other ones that should probably go into this, but the idea that the defense is solved is no longer like a spicy take that I had two weeks ago. It's now just the undeniable truth. Every single offense gets to just absolutely drag this defense up and down the field. It's a clobbering in all phases. You had crappy punts to just a clobbering by the Green Bay Packers. So here's the deal. I think there is something kind of intriguing maybe to breaking down stuff like, well, was it actually, was I right about the dropbacks or maybe just Christian Derrissaw had an off night or something like that. Um, and he has not had a, as good a year as he did last year. I don't think he's catastrophic or anything, but he hasn't been like a superstar or anything like that. Um, at least not by my eye. But it, it could be something like that. So, so I'll do a little bit of looking into that just to see. But really the interesting questions now are, where do we go from here? What does the Vikings organization do now? Their 2023 is over. It's for me, it's the offseason now. They'll have one more game. It's likely meaningless. I'll cover it. I'll do a postcast on it. But it's the offseason. So let's take stock for the rest of the day and look at where the Vikings have to go and what they have to start thinking about. So we'll do that next. Today's episode of Locked on Vikings is brought to you by 
prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's the easiest and in my opinion, most fun way to play daily fantasy football because you don't have to put together an entire lineup. I don't have 10 takes. I have just like a handful. So it's two to six of your favorite players uh, and you can just put together a more than less than game against prize picks uh, house projections. So they will set the actual amount and you just have to pick more than or less than, jam them all together. And if you get them all right, you get a huge payout. This has been a an absolute blast for me. We've been doing prize picks on Fridays on this show every single week. And if you want to join the party, you can go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Thank you guys so much for my hashtag everydayers who have been listening every single day. It's New Year's that gives us a time to reflect on the year that we had. And for those of you who did listen to me like every day, all year long, or even if it was you're just an everyday or for the season or whatever, I still love you. I, I cannot be more appreciative, truly. Uh, you guys allow me to do this for a living, and that is an absolutely surreal existence, and it wouldn't be the case without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and a happy new year to you all. Um, if you're done with this and you still want more Minnesota sports content, go check out the Lockdown Minnesota Sports YouTube channel and in particular their 24-7 live feed. That has That is a 24-7 feed of all Locked On shows. It's like flipping on a TV channel that's just Minnesota sports Locked On content. There's this, there's Locked On Timberwolves, Wild, uh, Twins, I forgot baseball. <laughs> What's sports? Uh, all of those. So go check that out. Especially locked on wolves, right? Wolves are humming. They'll give you the happiness in your uh, sad Minnesota sports soul because the Vikings got absolutely clobbered at home by the Green Bay Packers. Nothing feels worse. So at, at least at least we're two and two on these though. Like at least every year we get to kill them once and get killed once. Like it's even. <laughs> I guess that's the Kevin O'Connell thing. They have played how many one score games, right? It's like 14 one score games a year. Never had a one-score game against the Packers. That is absolutely fascinating. Um, but the 2023 season is no longer relevant to the Minnesota Vikings uh, outside of like the corner of corner cases, right? So let, let's look at where we're at. And I was just taking a little bit of stock of what happens next year and all that stuff. And, and look, the Vikings are in a way tougher spot than you think. They've got some resources going into 2024. They have $37 million in, in uh, projected cap space. And that can change too. They can they can manufacture more if they want to. They can do stuff like if they extend Justin Jefferson with like a big signing bonus or something, his cap hit for 24 will actually go down. So that'll help. Uh, there's also ways they can do this with Kirk Cousins. There's ways they can actually, if they don't sign Kirk Cousins, there's ways they can still get his dead cap hit down by sort of spreading it out uh, with, with random cap shenanigans. So I, I'll say right now, money isn't going to be a huge issue. Like there's eventually comes a limit to, you can't just bring in every single free agent, but money for the Vikings is better than it's been in a while. The cost for getting to that state is that their roster sucks. Their roster is in shambles going into 2024. And I'm not talking about just because we don't necessarily like starters like Alexander Madison or Garrett Bradbury. And maybe you don't. But I'm not even talking about that. If you just wanted to run back the 2023 Vikings and all of their projected starters, you would be missing. You would have to re-sign Kirk, KJ Osborne, Reisner, 
Davenport, somebody like Jonathan Bullard or Tonga, whoever you decide is a starter there, maybe two of those guys, and Jordan Hicks. All of those guys are currently projected to leave. So you either have to re-sign or replace all of those guys just to have a starting roster, right? Um, or do something like only run with one linebacker ever because it's Ivan Pace or do like Ivan Pace and Asamoah, but they don't love that, right? Asamoah didn't get in until garbage time against the Packers. Um, regardless of the assets that they have, and they've got like a fairly normal draft capital suite. I, I think they, they're missing like a fifth round pick or something, but who cares? So just looking at it, like they have the resources they need to fill those holes, but... This gets a lot harder if you want to ask them to also improve at running back or at wide receiver three or to add a, a, an interior pass rusher um, that's not just like a, a nose tackle, like a, a run-stuffing nose. Um, if you, you know, talk about they don't have Daniel Hunter either, right? They actually need two de defensive ends because Daniel Hunter's supposed to, to end, so it's actually twice that. They don't have a single serious pass rusher under contract. Uh Patrick Jones, I think might be the only actual edge rusher they have under contract. And I think Andre Carter, like they have no pass rush at all. So yeah, they have the resources to sign whoever they decide is going to be their next pass rusher. But that's like six positions they have to hit on. None of them can be Davenport's. They all have to be slam dunks. They all have to be Harrison Phillips's. And crucially, you don't have your 2024 quarterback under contract right now. Maybe that's Kirk. I'm going to table that for another day because I think that is worth one, maybe even two shows of like, what do we do about Kirk Cousins? Do we resign him? Do we let him walk? What, what are the options? What is the, uh, you know, the efficacy of those options? So much to talk, to discuss there, right? I will caution you, and I've said this before, I, I would not say that the poor quarterbacking is evidence that they need Kirk Cousins specifically back. I would reframe that and say that the poor quarterbacking that they have seen since Kirk went out is evidence that they need a serious quarterback, which is about as cold a take as you can have. <laughs> of course they do, right? Whether or not that serious quarterback is Kirk Cousins specifically is pretty up for debate. And I remind you that Kirk Cousins, uh, I think this is Ben Gessling reported this, Kirk Cousins and his agent submitted a contract proposal to the Vikings that paid Cousins less than $40 million a year for three years. And the Vikings said no. Since that time, he went 500 and hurt his Achilles. <laughs> so I don't know if it's necessarily as a big guarantee, this big guarantee that the Viking, oh my God, look how much their team fell apart without Kirk. They need Kirk. No, their team fell apart without a serious quarterback. And Kirk's a serious quarterback, but he's not the only option for that. We'll go over it a lot. I, I mean, I could spend a whole week on that, right? Like, that's huge. That's a quarterback thing. But if you're going to spend money on that, that puts a dent in things. You also have to extend Justin Jefferson. Um, you can think about extending Derisaw as well. He becomes eligible uh, this, this offseason. And you have to either re-sign or replace all those other guys. Hunter, Davenport, Hicks, Reisner, all those guys. Before we can even think about trying to get better than Madison at running back or better than Bradbury at center. Um, they have a lot of needs. And unless you slam dunk every single one of those acquisitions, you're going to have players playing for the Vikings who are bad. The only way to do that is to just go like 100% and, and slam dunk 
the entire offseason, which nobody ever does and never happens. Make no mistake, the Vikings balanced their books at the cost of their roster, right? And Rick Spielman spent years and years and years building a roster at the cost of balanced books. They have balanced books now. They don't have a roster. One of those things is a lot better to help when you win a game. <laughs> so now they have to get a roster. And guess what? It's going to unbalance their books to get that roster. It has to. And you better hope they don't whiff on those picks because it's going to be rough now. So I, I don't like the position that the Vikings are in. I think this is a very difficult place to be. Um, but it, that doesn't mean it's impossible, right? You get a couple of playmakers, you know, you get a great pass rusher. Suddenly your situation at cornerback doesn't need to be as good, right? There's symbiotic ways to handle this. You get a fantastic running back. You don't necessarily need to upgrade at center, maybe. Um, or, or a quarterback that's better at evading pressure, right? Maybe then that's okay. Like th there's ways to handle this, but in terms of just like a, a, a plug and play, you know, square peg in the square hole, kind of little, one of those little toddler toys, big challenges facing the, the, the Vikings in the off season. Um, so I guess before the Vikings handle any of that, they have to figure out who's going to be coaching this team, which is very much up in the air. So let's talk about that situation and what the Vikings can and should do. Today's episode of Locked on Vikings is sponsored by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel is uh, the best place to go make a playoffs that will not include the Vikings a little bit more Interesting. I absolutely love to put together a few prop bets for, for games that I just don't have a stake in, like the Browns are going to play the Jaguars or something like that. Like, I, I don't care about that game, but I do if I have a Joe Flacco interception prop. So <laughs> go find stuff like that. And if you're new, you can get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five, any $5 bet, win or lose. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fan up. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Moving on with this funeral episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. I should just wear like a black suit and like eulogize the team. But uh, well, maybe we'll do that later. I So here's where I'm at right now. I, I think the first questions the, that the Vikings will have to, I don't think, I know, the Vikings will have to answer coaching questions before they can bother to answer personnel questions. And the timeline of this is pretty tight because they have a couple contracts voiding out on March 15th. So for Cousins, that's, uh, that's March 15th, I believe it's the same for Hunter, that is two days after free agency officially opens. So they will probably want to have that answer um, before they the, like tampering starts. They'll want to know, right? So you have like eight weeks, 10 weeks, something like that to figure out an entire contract with Kirk Cousins. And the negotiations will start as soon as probably the clock hits triple zeros in Ford Field on Sunday. So... And then, you know, the entire staff can really fully focus. There's no season left. You can fully focus on, on this. That's going to be the first thing to do. But here's the deal. During that time, guys like Brian Flores are going to be taking head coaching interviews, probably. Now, after the last month of defensive play, I don't know if he's going to be quite as popular, but 
teams tend to not really care too much about the week to week of it. They like that Brian Flores had dudes playing hard and had an interesting schematic idea and had aggression, right? And that he's got head coach experience. Uh, and it, the question will be if he's still, you know, radioactive enough to avoid a head coaching job from any team that isn't like super desperate, right? You know, last year he had a a head coaching interview with the Arizona Cardinals, but the Cardinals were like down to it. Nobody wanted that job. They ended up going with Jonathan Gannon and their options were kind of like offer this to the radioactive defensive guy that, you know, is is in this like active lawsuit against a team or, uh, you know, go with this unproven dude that is kind of young and Jonathan and they went with Jonathan Gannon. Um, similarly, like. Carolina is not an attractive head coach opening. So that's the kind of opening where you go, yeah, we know you've got some weird PR from other teams, but we don't care. We need a guy versus somewhere like the Chargers. The Chargers have, I think, a more attractive opening. And yeah, Flores might take that one, but they also maybe get Bill Belichick. Like <laughs> it's going to be different. So you need to, to find that perfect cross-section of a team that Brian Flores is happy with and a team that is happy with Brian Flores could happen for sure. But that's kind of what we're going to be looking for. That's the situation you should look for if you're trying to project where Brian Flores will go. And if nobody matches that situation, he comes back and he DCs again. And I do think that that's entirely possible. So that has to get answered. Um, I do want to just answer real quick. I, I, I don't think Kevin O'Connell should be fired. Uh, some people are saying that I think that's mostly, you know, in game emotion, right? Um, I think Kevin O'Connell is absolutely to blame for this 33 to 10 absolute beatdown, And there are issues in the way that O'Connell approached this game, both schematically, which is what he's usually pretty good at. So I'm less like long-term concerned about those. You point them out and you say, that's a criticism, but I don't think you need to be fired over a criticism, right? You can say something was wrong without also suggesting an action about it. Because uh, if we want to talk about solving the schematic problem, this suggestion is pretty easy. Do it different next time. Try another thing. Like, that's, you don't need to fire someone to achieve that. You can just say, I'll try something else next time. Um, but the, the, the critique that I have of O'Connell that's a little bit more existential is this does not seem like a team that rises to the occasion when the pressure is on. It's a really wishy-washy thing, and I, I don't like to do those wishy-washy things, but it, it because I think they're like difficult to define and difficult to argue, but let me try to define it better. If I think about the major moments of the Kevin O'Connell tenure, all the good ones seem to come when, when there's kind of no pressure, right? You, you go out week one, you stomp the Packers at home, 2022. Uh, and you kind of say, all right, well, you know, there's this, he's rookie head coach. The expectations are a little lower. We're, we're just looking, you know, all the players expectations are a little lower because O'Connell has made it very clear. We're just, we're learning. You mess up. It's okay. This isn't Mike Zimmer anymore. You know, if you, if you mess up, we'll solve it. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll work with it, but we're not going to kill you over it. Right. And you go loose and you go dunk on him. Right. And then you get a little expectations, you die the next week. You absolutely get killed by the Eagles in week two. And then the Eagles were a great team, so whatever, right? A couple of turnovers, we'll, we'll put that one away. And then you win a whole bunch of close games. But if you think about some of those, the, don't they all feel so house money? You know, the Bills, 
they didn't deserve to be in that game. You know, you have that that crazy touchdown, uh, defensive touchdown, fumble on the one, craziest fumble you've ever seen. That team's going to be loose now. You're going, oh my God, like, we lose this game. We were going to lose it anyways. Let's, but hey, maybe we can get it. You play loose, you play better, right? You're down 33 to nothing against the Colts. You start playing loose, you come back. Super great moments. And not to take away from them at all. Those are awesome moments. They all happen to be characterized by the same thing. I'm just, I'm just characterizing, I'm categorizing them, right? I'm not trying to diminish them at all. They are all characterized by as soon as this team gets loose, they play their best football. But when the pressure is on, if you remember, the Vikings had all these possible game-clinching scenarios. They could have done the exact same things the Lions did to us last year, to the Lions, and they laid an egg in that game. And they laid an egg in Lambeau with a possibility to grab the two seed, maybe even the one seed in 2022. Then they come out this year with exception, with expectations, and they go one and four. They fumble the ball, they choke, they make crazy uh, crazy mistakes, right? All kinds of crazy mistakes with drops and just mental errors, small errors, but clearly the, the kinds of things that will get lesser players benched, you know, the kind of things that there's accountability for. And then you r- rattle off five and five and oh, five straight wins. As soon as you feel like, okay, this season is now, well, this season's over unless, you know, l- let's just play each game and let's, you know, then you get loose, right? As soon as the expectations have slid away, you're not the defending champions anymore. You're the one in four Vikings. All right, now we're loose. Now we'll go win a bunch of games. Kirk Cousins goes out. We're going to have a couple of great games with Josh Dobbs because there's no expectations on him. He's just hooping. He's just out there gaming. Then you win a couple. There's expectations. He sucks against the Broncos. He sucks against the Bears. He sucks against the Raiders. The second there are expectations on the Vikings, they crumble. And these last few games, win one of them, and you are in the driver's seat for a playoff position, for a playoff spot. Um, you could not win a single one. They haven't won since Vegas. Six of the last seven they have lost. Because there were expectations. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm off my rocker. Maybe expectations is too nebulous a thing. What is expectations? How do you define it? What counts as having expectations and not? But... It seems to me that the lights get a little bright and the Vikings put their worst foot forward. They are not their best when their best is required. And you know what? There are that there's more to coaching than that, right? Kevin O'Connell has this team resilient to adversity. They faced a ton of it this year and they stayed very uh, you know, they kept their chins up, right? They kept fighting. I think that's admirable. Um schematically, I love what Kevin O'Connell does. He was brought in to be an offensive scheme wizard, and I really think he is. I think he does that very, very well. There's all kinds of cool stuff that he does on the whiteboard. But culturally, this is a team that crumbles when there are expectations. They have been at least for the first two years. Go out in year three, get some expectations, go win some games, and I'll drop this take immediately. And I want to see that. I want to drop this take. But if we're you know, six and 11 next year. And we're talking about firing the head coach after year three. I'm coming back to this conversation. Kevin O'Connell's seat is not hot, but if, and when it is, it always will be It someday. We're coming back to this for sure. So keep a mental note. Tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday. Send me your vents. I don't know. <laughs> send me your, your angry letters. <laughs> I'll put out a call on Twitter or you can um, send me an email at lockdownvikingspodcast at gmail.com or uh, put a, 
fill out the Google form in the show notes, YouTube comment, anything works. I'll see y'all for that. And as always, skull.